Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the end of Movie May, episode 169 of the Anime Brothers podcast. I'm your host, JD. Of course, always joined by Mr. Earthworm the Mighty. Are you ready to wrap up this glorious month? Yes. Yes, I am <laughs> yes. Short answer, with yes. anticipation, in fact. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I- I'll go ahead and leave now. No, no, please stay. I like that. It's like when I said perfect, you know, perfect blue was a perfect rendition. It's like, you know, you got to add that in there. So, so far this month has actually been Digimon, anime titties, and bad puns. Okay, cool. There we go. Yes, exactly. If you haven't taken anything from Movie May and you haven't been enjoying it, please tell me you've enjoyed those three things. So Yeah, if nothing else, we've given other content, you know, sparsed in there. But yeah, today we are wrapping up Movie May with a little known film. I genuinely mean that uh, because I don't, definitely doesn't have the fanfare that these other movies we've watched yes. have. Uh, it is called Steam Boy. It is done by the same creator of Akira. It is his, I think, the only other film that he's done. But JD, he has all the figures, and he's got like, he's got some Wikipedia pulled up, and he's gonna teach us uh, about like the making of the film and some records and shit in the near future. But yes, we will be covering Steam Boy today. And uh, if you haven't watched it, it is available for purchase and rental on Amazon and Microsoft and all the stores. But if you don't want that and you're cool with ads, go over to Tubi TV. Um, it's like Tubi.com or whatever. It's got an app, T-U-B-I, and it is available there. Yes, um, definitely a underrated show uh, for many reasons, which I'll get to when we get to the topic at hand. Well, of course, we have our Patreon rundown officially finally got some people that put some requests or some statements or questions in and we have some of our own stuff going on so uh talking about what we've been going on so if you're interested more of the story that will be later you can check down and uh check where that is you know go fast forward ahead or you can stay for this part beforehand yes sir yes um i'll try you know what if 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 my if our editor actually fucking is worth his weight uh if it's worth what we pay him uh he'll put a timestamp in that description so the times you know this is your call out, buddy. Get your shit together, or we're gonna. I'll fire you. I'll, I'll do it right here on the fucking podcast. So yeah, there it is. Poor samurai whack. Yeah, no, dude. Seriously, like he's kind of a piece of shit, and I think everybody needs to hear it. So yeah, okay, fair enough. Well, uh, no, so I don't know if you want to do the Patreon rundown first. It's kind of exciting that we're doing a new thing instead of just questions, more of like any kind of wide topic thing. Or do you want to kind of talk about what you've been doing? I will. Uh, we'll get the check-ins out of the way. I don't have too terribly much to uh, mm. going on in my life, um, and I don't know about what you've had going on. But um, yeah, we'll do that, and then we'll and then we'll get to the official, uh, the important stuff. You know, yeah. Who cares about us? We're, we're Fair enough. Schlubs. So I am two and a half episodes away from finishing Digimon Adventure O two. I am very excited to finish it. We've got the big bad uh, has finally been revealed. It took fucking 48 episodes, uh, but I think it was a half-decent reveal. It's like, oh, shit, okay. Uh, so we're almost there. We're probably moving on to the adventure try afterwards. I'm, I'm excited. I'll also, for all my Digimon homies out there, Digimon Cyber Sleuth is on sale on Steam. I got to buy that after this because it's like $12, 75% off. So go check, go, go check that shit out. Uh, yeah, Digimon's cool, and expect... Some like legitimate Digimon content in the next like month and a half, I'll say. We we got some shit in the works. I haven't uh, told any of my guests that they have are going to be on the podcast, but I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah, everything will be fine. 
yeah, we're just going to get it done. Nobody says no to Digimon. JD, what are you doing? Well, that's funny that you say that. You know, I have to get guests. uh, But if for anyone that doesn't know about the podcast or at least what adventures I'm doing, uh, your boy JD will be gone for almost a two-week vacation with family and friends um, at the end of June into the start of July. Uh, Been planned for a while, so you're going to be hearing your boy either by himself or with some great guests. Uh, so that's what he's referring to. I'm sure um, Earthworm's got some great things for you guys in the works. But uh, your boy here is pretty much preparing now. You know, trying to get the tan going, trying to get those shorts. You know, get a Hawaiian shirt, maybe. You know, do something. <laughs> you got you got to look good because you know we're going down to the tropics, uh, and I've never done this before, so it's definitely different for me. Yeah. So you're going you're going to Hawaii. That's right. Yes, I am, and. Trying to, I'm not a big fan of oceans, but from what I heard, as you can see, everything through the water, it's so blue, and I won't go past my waist probably, so I should be fine. Um, but yeah, other than that, I'm in, I'm excited to do a whole bunch of other things, zip lining, going down some trails, there's some waterfalls, just gonna have a great time. And I'm, your boy's probably gonna be drinking a lot. Let's not lie here. So all right, bring me home an iguana or like some sort of lizard. You I'm find gonna bring in the woods. something, either a keychain or something. I gotta bring something. Of no, course I, I'm gonna talk about it on the podcast. So bring me a live animal. <laughs> Figure it out, bro. Yeah, I'll Come get on. right on that. <laughs> no, but what I want to say is, um, and it's funny because right before I got on here. I had somebody, uh, one of our boys, Frost Nato, who's been on with us from like the uh, beginning times of our podcast, one of the originals. Yeah, he's on he's our one of our first like five Discord members. Um, but so shouts uh, out to the OG. We we, we forget uh, at least because we always talk about One Piece, and we're not the biggest One Piece fans, or at least you're not even really paying attention. But I'm at least reading it, so. I've now finished volume 56 and I'm on to 57 uh, because of a friend of mine who's recently purchased 47 through 70 for me, like a big box set. Uh, I've been able to just like, as soon as I finish it, pick up the other one. I literally wa- uh, read one a day at work. Uh, and so it's just, start- it's starting to go really fast for me now. Hold on. Uh, Are you about to like, all right, we got a new segment. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> J- the JD search for the one piece. Is that what's going on here? I don't know what it's going to be, but I've been asked by Frost, you know, I'd really like to hear more of like how it's going, what you're going through, the adventures. And I even told him it's very hard when you have somebody on the other side of a co-host that doesn't really even know what you're talking about settings wise. There's so many new characters. It's very hard for me to break down like every episode. I'd have to like give 20 to 30 minutes to say, all right, this is what happened kind of in this volume. And this is how I feel about it. So I'm starting to realize, man, I am going through a journey. If more of you guys and you listeners want me to do something of a little JD's adventure through finding the One Piece like I did the JoJo's, maybe I can try to work out a solo cast by myself so um, I won't have to really try to explain things to poor Earthworm and I can just let it all go and uh, (laughs) let you guys listen. So if you want that. I'm making an executive decision here. That is, we're putting that behind a paywall. $20 patrons only, <laughs> new tier. Like, no way we're giving that away for free. You kidding? <laughs> You're going to put, I got to put in that work of every volume. But no, it probably won't be every volume. But definitely, I should probably at least explain some of the things I'm going through. I'm I'm a pretty good far into it now. Like, volume 57 is a pretty great deal far. Uh, this is when, like, the great war is about to happen between uh, Whitebeard and... Um, pretty much all of the Navy, and that's very, very light spoilers. It's just a big war. Think of it as like the fourth ninja war in Naruto. So 
it's definitely a very climactic uh, beginning or start of something. And I'm not going to lie, for once, I'm actually pretty into this. Like, it's doing a really good job. I'm finally not getting that slow, like, was getting kind of bored. This is kind of more of like, all right, now this is what I've been wanting. So, um, yeah. So just just news that I am reading a hell of a lot of One Piece, and I am intrigued. So either we'll see if enough people want it. Uh, maybe okay. doing something. I, I have a question. Yes. Yes. Have Have you encountered? Uh, I, I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong. Uh, Abdo Flamingo. He is in it. Uh, he's one of the uh, seven warlords. So he is he is present, but he okay. has not really. You been, haven't. All right. Okay. He hasn't been. There's like... He's talked a couple times, but really, he hasn't been prominent enough for me to be like, oh, this is why everyone talks about him. If that makes any okay. sense. Okay. All right. I just because I want to say I'm not. I... I don't have the desire to read One Piece, but literally, I know everybody knows the scene. I guess I won't splay it out, but it's with Luffy and Doflamingo, and it's like Luffy being an absolute badass. Uh, every time I see that image, I'm like, mm, might fucking read One Piece. Uh, because that, like, I don't know why. That Maybe it's just his character design, but like, the egg Doflamingo. Uh, however you pronounce it, is so intriguing to me. Something about that motherfucker, and then Luffy. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's like the, the kind of, um, eccentricness to it. I like eccentric villains. Like he's got. A, he's wearing a fucking boa for Christ's sake, and he's all <laughs> dressed in pink. Like that's that's badass, you know. Uh, but then like Luffy doing the thing. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, JD. But like. It's just like it's such a badass. Like I'm getting goosebumps. I don't even know One Piece, but I can. That it's that image that I'm like, all right, I get it. I see where y'all are coming from. But then that now I'm gonna get eighteen fucking people in the Discord being like, dude, it's so worth it, man. Trust me, <laughs> trust me. Those feelings that you get, oh, it's like ten times better. And I'm gonna be like, you know what? I don't want to fucking read it anymore. You know that there could be a chance that you know I read it and then I want to watch some of the 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 segments. That's what I did with uh, Crocodile and Luffy in uh, yeah the Albusta uh, arc. So. Yeah, I can see that coming. There's actually a character in here that I think Bob, man, if I've, I don't mistaken, or someone else that was in our manga discussion for One Piece, I mentioned a character named Emporio, uh, which is also funny because Emporio is in JoJo's, but this character has the power to literally change people's genders. Oh my God. And you think it's like, okay, that's kind of dumb. But it's actually really unique and cool, and the character is like literally almost, I would say, like a cross-dresser. Um, and it's some character that I think you, Earthworm, would be like, I love this character so much. And it's so JoJo's, and it's in One Piece, and I, I, I met the character in the manga, and I was like, you know what? I think this was one of the, the characters they mentioned. And at first, I was like, uh, I don't really like the character design, but then after like reading one volume, I'm like, all right, I can get down with this character and the powers that are used for this. So that sounds yeah. cool. And in my mind, I imagine some like alt-right person reading fucking one piece and then getting <laughs> to that part and just throwing the book on the ground and Fuck being this. so angry. Duh, but, they, everything's gay now. Well, I, I also would think that most people reading this just look at it as like, there's it's, it's just a multitude of characters and it's not like they're doing this for every character. It's just a unique character doing this, but it's sure. so crazy and actually works well and um and almost there was like uh, spoilers a little bit i guess i'm not really spoiling it but it's almost like a naruto scene where he himself changes his own gender into this like slamming hot female and 
And the person fighting him is like, oh, I see you've changed yourself to female. Yeah, I feel like being hot today. Like literally just just, just openly saying in the middle of combat. And I'm just like, yes, this is, this is pretty fucking good. I thought that's, it was funny. That's super interesting. So yeah, no, I've just I'm hitting the stride with the One Piece and the the anime is slowed down because I'm waiting for the seasonals and um I basically am doing this movie May and stuff like that and, and yeah, the real world shit definitely slows you down, you know, it's nicer out. But uh yeah, look for that in the future possibly, you know. We'll see how that goes. All right, you got uh you got Earthworms Digi Minute and JD's Quest for the One Piece. There this, you go. You, look at us, we're just gaining segments. We're just three years in, three and a half years in, and we're just stacking segments. Look at that. We're and it all ass. just comes at a whim. But the coolest segment we've ever had, I think, is uh, coming up right now. It's the Patreon Rundown. Patreon Rundown. You need a rundown of your clients. What the hell is a rundown? You started on that rundown yet? First up comes from Bob Man, and Bob Man has a question. Bob Man asks, what's the most depressing movie you've watched? For me, it was The Road. I have n- I'm sure, like, I've seen promotional images. I have no idea what that movie is, though. JD, what's the most depressing movie you've ever watched? Um, I think I've mentioned it before, and it's 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 kind of cheating because it has to do with animals, but I'm pretty sure uh, Marley and Me was one of the few <laughs> ones where I was bawling my eyes out in the theater. Of course, I you know was thinking of my dog, and anything with animals is pretty much my weak point. I mean, half the reason I almost didn't want to watch JoJo's is because they like killing dogs in the in the show, and I'm kind of like, dude, I think you have a problem, or you only know how to write bad guys by killing animals. So, either way, um, yeah, Marley and Me is definitely a very emotional movie. Uh, anything with animals, I know, uh, it's a, a kid show as well with animals. But Homeward Bound, do you remember that one, Earthworm? I don't think I had ever watched it. I definitely, but seen it's the not previews. depressing. You know, okay. it's a very uplifting of like. Three animals, and of course the animals talk, but not like with CGI mouth moving. You just hear them talk. It's like in their head. And okay. um, they're basically left at this farm with their aunt and all that. They, you know, The rest of the family had to go on a vacation, but the dogs don't understand that. They think that they're being abandoned. So they literally track through the wild and go through shit, go against bears and all the elements to make their way home, which they don't realize is that they were not being abandoned. They were just being left there for a little bit. And so the family is like on a quest to find them and they have to find their way home and they do. And it's such a uplifting but sad moment when finally the dog that's really injured gets to see his owner again. So it's like it's not depressing, but most of I don't watch very depressing films, you know, and I don't really get depressed too much. I usually just watch more uplifting, sad, like, dog and animal movies, so. <laughs> it's just anything with an animal dying at the end. It's like you and my partner, you and Kelly are just like that. <laughs> well, Which I'm I mean, not yeah. hyped about it either. I just don't watch those movies because I know they're a cry fest, and I can't deal with that. Right, I, and then another one I'll touch on. I know I'm kind of cheating, but it's because I'm like, all right, I shouldn't do just so much uplifting, but there's also uh, one called The Judge with Robert Downey Jr., uh, and I think Robert Duvall is the other actor. Um, and it's just about a father and son that have lost touch over the years. One's pretty much a lawyer and one is a judge. So they just totally butt heads and they're trying to reconnect while one's like 40 something and the other is now 80, 90, almost like going through it. And he's going through cancer and he has like dementia. And it's more of a just like trying to get back that little time you have left with your father 
that you've pretty much been estranged with. And it, okay. it hits me, you know, it was actually, and it's a pretty sad movie, uh, a drama for sure. So I'd say that one is definitely one where it's not really all happiness. So, okay. All right. Um, I have been trying to think of movies that I have watched this entire time. Um, and you don't I, want, I, did I you can say only... live action or any movie? He didn't specify, so I mean, I could say like you know, the end of Evangelion really kind of kicked me in the heart. Um, yeah, I could say Kotaro lives alone. That's yeah, depressing. but that's not a movie though. That's the thing. <laughs> I know. Um, I know. Uh, I want to keep it live action though, because I feel like any anime movie I've watched, we've talked about plenty. Um, God damn, and all I can, the only movie I can remember watching is the fucking Shawshank Redemption. I don't know why. That's the only movie that comes to mind. Uh. Okay, so I I guess I'll this isn't really depressing, so I guess I'm I'm kind of cheating like you, but I do remember having like an unbelievably intense emotional reaction to it as a kid. But do you remember the movie Brother Bear? Brother Bear, I do remember. Brother that. Bear, yeah, the the native guy that is animated. Tri- yeah, that's animated, but it's it's a West. I think it was a DreamWorks thing. Yeah, and yep. I I remember it's like I don't know, I can't even explain like what scenes. Uh, but let's like just the connection between. The, the human turned bear and his little brother, who's actually a bear, uh, and their connection and how they like really butted heads for a little while. And then there was like some self sacrifice shit, I think, at one point. So, I mean, I guess I'll go with Brother Bear. There's definitely more depressing movies I've watched. Like, um, Full Metal Jacket was super depressing, but I watched it when I was like 11 and. Seeing a guy be driven insane enough to commit suicide because of Damn. because of pretty much being tortured by his fucking peers. That 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 fucks you up. I don't know if I'd call it depressing, but definitely traumatizing. Pro tip, don't show your your adolescence full metal jacket. All right? That's my <laughs> one piece of parenting advice that I will give out. <laughs> It's not the best thing to watch as a young age. No, no. I don't even know if it's a good movie at all, but, like, not a good movie for children. Um, So now I'm going to go with Brother Bear. Even though I know it's, like, a happy ending, there were some fucking moments in that that made me... I was like, oh, this is what sadness feels like. Okay. Um, And next, uh, Bob Man's got snuck another one in there, but we'll let it slide because he's calling... He's talking a little bit of shit, and I like it. Uh, Bob Man also says, no Lakers-Celtics finals matchup. How disappointed is JD to not get their butts kicked by the old rivalry? And I'm so glad you stated this now because time has not helped you, my friend. Uh, he is talking about the NBA, semi, uh, NBA semifinals that have gone on. Uh, a lot of people said it would be Lakers versus Celtics. I'm a Celtics fan. He's a Lakers fan. Unfortunately, the Lakers for been him, knocked out yet? I oh, the yeah, they, they were are... swept. They were 4-0 okay. swept by the Denver Nuggets. And he thinks that he would have swept the Celtics, but the Celtics are now fighting back against Miami. They're down. They have three, and the Celtics have two, but we have now forced a game six, and if we win, it goes to Boston for a game seven. Never in the history of Boston or any sports team has come back from a 3-0 and deficit. So pretty cool. If that happens, I want Bob Man to literally lick my shoe. Because oh <laughs> your team did not even make it one game win against Denver. And you think I'm scared of your Lakers. So thank <laughs> you for asking me that question. Because you know what? We wouldn't have lost because you can't even make it there. And at least we're going to compete a little bit. Like, my goodness. But anyway, I love you. 
Um, <laughs> moving full disclosure, on to the this next is question. being this is being recorded on the Friday before it releases on Monday, so I don't know how many games are in between that. Well, it could all be over by then. Yeah, there's one on Saturday, and that if we yeah. win that, the game is Monday night. So if we win that, and there's a Monday night game, Bob Man's already going to hear all my shit on the Discord. So by right, the time well, he gets this episode. <laughs> All right, so we'll uh, we'll just go with I can't believe the Celtics played insert reaction here. That was insert reaction here. Uh, so there we go. That's our thoughts on the on the Celtics game on Saturday. There we go. There we go. All right, there we go. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have a message from Frost NATO. Um, Frost NATO says just making a prediction since Earthworm mentioned that he wants to get into ranking of kings, which I do. Um, I'm just bad at watching stuff. Anyways, the prediction is that JD will rate this show a 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. calling his fucking shot now. His reasoning is because it's by Studio Wit, your admitted favorite studio. Uh Also, don't take this the wrong way, he says, but feel for, uh, he says he feels like JD has a soft spot for the very young, unfortunate little boy main characters. He's calling you a pervert. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> no, I like to take the misfortune young uh, children, um, hence why I'm also with Mr. Earthworm. He's gone through so much, and I just want to hold him. So, <laughs> And he does mention uh, the fact that you rated Kotaro so high. Um, that That's what gives him this feeling, and anybody who's watched both has has definitely said, like, they're both amazing. Like, they're both best boys, without a doubt. So right. he says, feel, feel free to take this convoluted recommendation, yeah, but he thinks the show's right up our alley. So... Frostnado has been pretty good. He he, inadvertently, I know he mentioned it to you years ago because he's an OG. But uh, he said you should watch Guardian of the Spirit, and then you ended up watching it on your own time and fucking loved it. So he's he's got yeah. at least one on there. Yeah, I really would have liked to have given it a higher rating, but since it didn't get completed fully, and I knew there were more books of it, I'm just more disappointed in general. But yes, very good recommendation from Frost. Hell yeah. Um, all right, next up, we have the man of many titles. Vi- he's currently going by Vice Admiral Etc. Ducky. Well, I thought he, he now changed it to Rick the Door Technician. No, no, what? that's someone else. That's someone else. My bad, my bad. There's so many names now. No, no. I <laughs> Shouts out to Rick the Door Technician, though. I th- As a man, <laughs> as a user who's changed their name like a billion times, I think that might be my favorite. <laughs> yes, it is. All right, uh, from Vice Admiral Etc. Ducky. Uh, what was the first character death scene in any media that really hit you? And I have one lined up. I know exactly. So I'll I'll go first. For me, it was um I I I guess spoilers in case somebody wants to get mad about this. It's from the Land Before Time, the first <laughs> movie, the one animated by fucking Don Bluth. Um, it's when Littlefoot's mom dies in like the fucking beginning. Like, they're on mm. their way to, like, the Great Valley, and I think she gets sick or something. And I am, again, uh, traumatic, but this is something I do believe you should show your children, you know? Like, this is a great way. It was wonderful for me to understand, like, death, because my grandmother passed away not too long after I started watching The Land Before Time. So it was like I had some sort of reference of what happens when someone's no longer there. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Jesus Christ, man. Littlefoot is this tiny little fucking brontosaurus which actually aren't a real thing but might be but and you know he's he's it's the way it's animated is so dark and like not depressing but almost like almost horrific it's like there's just so many fucking the colors are just like all blacks and grays and it's like it really makes you feel like this is not a good time this is not a good happening so that has sat with me 
for the entirety of my life. And that was truly when I was like, I understand what emotions are. And by God, not all of them are good. But Littlefoot, if you've watched the series, um, he ends up making it to the Great Valley. His grandparents are phenomenal uh, caregivers and role models. And he makes a bunch of friends. So, like, yeah, it's unfortunate that his mom died. But life goes on. And we can all be happy again. Absolutely. So what about you, my friend? What uh, what was child JD's first experience? Oh, my God, I'm sad because character died. Well, it kind of blurs the line. There's one I know that I watch with my dad, but I believe I probably had one before that. And we all know this one. And yeah, I don't even think I need to say spoilers. I think we all know. But um, uh, watching Bambi. Um, oh, yep. The hunter that killed Bambi's mother. Um shows just aren't made like this nowadays where like the harsh reality of like how it works where you know nowadays even i know people that go hunting and i don't see anything wrong with that if you if you hunt you know you use the meat you know all that stuff you respect the game but man that show at a young age seeing uh, an innocent animal in my mind get killed and it's bambi's mom and he's you know he's so young i remember that hitting me effectively it definitely kind of changed me in a way and that was very early on, but I didn't really understand the concept of it too much. It was just more sad to see the emotions of what Bambi was going through. Okay. Um, but a second one that hit me when I was getting a little bit older, it came out in 2001, so I'm like eight years old. I'm starting to grasp things a lot more, was Finding Nemo. And basically yeah. seeing the Barracuda basically killed Nemo's mom. You don't even see it happen, but just the fact that all the eggs were killed because, you know, the, the clownfish lay a lot of eggs and they're so happy to be a, a mother and father. And then all of a sudden, a barracuda comes, takes out the mom trying to protect her children, and almost every one of the eggs but one dies. And the one egg still living has got, like, damage to it. So that's why, obviously, Nemo has a, a hurt fin. Just so emotional opening of a show. Like, the people making that were even crying. So Oh, yeah. As you're you animating know. it, you're just fucking you're wiping the tears <laughs> off the screen. <laughs> like, oh, my God. So everything had to do with, like, these kids shows where it's not even humans. And, like, you're talking about Land Before Time. Like, we're all just impacted by these. But, uh, yeah, both of those hit me. It's just when I was eight years old during Finding Nemo, it more of, like, sits in on what's going on. So I remember that. And I was with my dad. And, of course, you know how my dad is. Yeah. He's like... I'd kill that thing. I'd do anything <laughs> for you, son. I wouldn't let it hurt you. And I'm like, yeah, he's a fish dad, but I understand. You know, Why did our dad show... Our, both our dads showed love by threatening to hurt others in our honor. <laughs> Nobody's going like, to hurt my boy. My God, what is, what is... See, that's what happens when you're raised on fucking Rambo and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Basically, that's all you know is I'll be back. and then I'll, just, I you know. will kill whoever hurts you. It's like, you don't have to. I just The guy bumped into me at the supermarket. I'm fine. It's okay. I'm all right. Uh, one of my favorite memes, because you brought up Bambi, one of my favorite like 2014 memes is the picture of all the Disney villains in cosplay. And uh, oh the, God, yeah. the fucking caption is only one of these people actually killed something. And it's the hunter that fucking the oh guy's just God. dressed up like a hunter. It's like, oh, my it's God. It's almost like dressing up as like Steve Irwin. Like, it's like, no, too soon, bud. Get the fuck out of here. And it could be 30, 40 years later. Get the fuck out. Now you reminded me of the <laughs> fucking scene in South Park where Satan's throwing the Halloween party and Steve yep. Irwin just shows up. And he's like, no, it's me. I'm Steve Irwin. He's like, oh, the no costume, bud. You gotta, you gotta get leave. Yeah, get the hell out of here. <laughs> okay. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, so yeah, that's that's where 
our sadness stems from is those scenes right there. Thanks, mm-hmm. Ducky. Um, next up is from Darth Egg. If you could be the best at any sport, what would it be? An individual sport or a team sport? Okay. What What are you thinking? Like, what? I know you like football, but if you were good at football, you would also have like CTE. So that might be something you want to avoid. I don't think you understand how much I love football. <laughs> like <laughs> fair okay all right yeah some would say baseball you almost make the most money if you're like the best because they have such insane amount of like million dollar contracts like it could be, be a right fielder dollar deal you gotta yeah, run you, like once you gotta play 160 games but they, you're not doing right much. but my thing about football is you you could play like only f- eight nine seasons 10 max which is a pretty good career you're 21 you retire at 31 32 something like that you know what i mean you're still young you don't have any serious injuries and you're like an excellent star athlete you will have so many endorsement deals you'll have so much money you'll be recognized more than the baseball players basketball players are pretty recognized but i would say that football players if you are the star the number one everyone knows tom brady you know it's kind of like michael jordan you know so if you're one of those two sports and we're from America, so obviously we're not going to mention, you know, football or soccer, what we call in America. I know that's big in, like, the world, but that's not appealing to me because I was raised in America. I like football. I like basketball. I do like baseball, but it's so boring for me now. So I'm just going to say football, and I'm going to stick with that every single time. I would be the star quarterback for 10, 11 seasons, win some Super Bowls because I'm so damn good, win so much all money, right, and retire right. and enjoy my life. So there you go. I, uh, I dig that. I You're going to be a UFC fighter. No, no. See, because <laughs> of the aforementioned CTE. Uh, no, no. If me, you're a good my... fighter, you'll never get knocked out. You're good. I'm okay. But like if the best at any sport, I guess I could be fucking Anderson Silva and just literally not get hit. Just there choose when I want to get hit. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. I w- my my choice before that was going to be almost MMA and it would be Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Like I want yep. to be okay. like if a guy who starts a fight with me and I want to fucking immediately fall on my back and be like come at me. Have at thee. <laughs> Approach start me. Scooting at the motherfucker. Imagine that. That's terrifying. This guy lays down and starts scooting at you. Come here, bitch. Kicks you while he's down. It's like ow, fuck. But uh right. yeah, so all right, if I could be Anderson Silva and like walk out like legitimately walk out without like fucking brain damage because as a man who's had a concussion like a a fairly severe concussion not something that i had to be monitored for but like it yeah i got fucked up uh that changed my fucking psyche man like my brain has not been the same since i took that hit like it i i swear to god it worsened my depression and and anxiety and the crazy thing is you did it to yourself i know it's fucking (laughs) awful like that's Trust me, the further away I get from that injury, the more I'm like, God, am I glad I don't have blood running down my skull anymore? Because that was terrible. Right. Um. So yeah, if I could, if I could be as good as Anderson Silva and just not get hit, like, all right, yeah, we'll do that. But if if there's a, if it's like, nah, you're gonna be good, but not like Anderson Silva's fucking legendary, and you also have people who know how to fight who are fighting you. His competition was not great. Let's be honest. Um. Yeah, I'll take Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I can still, like, I'm not going to make a bunch of money, but, I, you know, I'll be able to defend myself in, like, any situation just by scooting on the ground. <laughs> All right, fair enough. All right, we have one more. This is the last one for the rundown, and it is from Not So Mike Guy. Not So uh, Mike Guy. He says, 
I've been rewatching Cowboy Bebop, and here's my call out. And I know Earthworm has been on a Digimon recently, but when are you going to watch Cowboy Bebop so we can get the in-depth <laughs> breakdown on the show? The scene by scene. He didn't say that, but I'm saying it. We Do need that want. episode, or and then he, he finishes with, we need that episode, or maybe I just need it. So, you know, I'm not above peer pressure. I've said that before, but, uh, you know, peek behind the curtain. Literally, before we started recording, we may have or may not have talked about doing a Cowboy Bebop episode in the near or distant future. So, like, I'm starting to crack a little bit. I look. All right. I'm just trying. I want to do something nice for my friend. He's you know, he's done a lot for me. I want to give back. So I'm like, well, he's been telling me to watch Bebop. But, you know, it's, it's just a it's tentative right now. But uh, my, my guy, I think you'll be all right. I think you'll be happy soon. Thank you for that question. Also, thank you to all the Patreons for doing the rundown. It doesn't have to just be questions, but anything that you guys wanted to make sure we talk about or say on this podcast, thank you for being involved. I want to make sure to also shout out our newest Patreon member. Uh, he goes by Cystix, I think, um, if I'm saying that right. C-Y-S-T-Y-X. Um. Thank you, my man, for joining uh, recently on the Patreon. Absolutely. You are a homie, just uh, as well as all our patrons. And uh, if you're sitting there listening and you're like, well, I'd like to become a patron. That sounds really fun. I want to I wanna call you out for not watching Cowboy Bebop in a public forum. Well, you can do that. Patreon.com slash Anime Brothers Podcast. You got to type the whole thing in, but I swear to God, that is our Patreon. All right. Okay. All right. Well, th- there it is. Now, uh, I think it's time to get into the main topic. We, uh, we're going to get steamy. Let's get to some steam, way. boy. Let's get to it. All right. Let's go. set the scene here for a minute before I even talk about Steam Boy and give this little synopsis and stuff like that. Blah, 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 um, blah, blah, blah. I want to, yeah, I want to just lay this out here that w- this is at the time before Redline. We've talked about Redline. If you haven't checked out that episode, we've actually discussed it. Uh, it was the most expensive um, animated movie of that time where I don't think the record's been broken or has it been broken? I'm not really sure. As far as red oh man, I'm I don't know See, about money wise. I think the the odd um because nobody is ever like one hundred percent on how many frames are used. Those numbers are always just very rough. But I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Redline holds the record for the most frames used in a single piece of animated film. Correct me out there if I'm wrong, anybody else, but I, I think right. if we had to give the record to somebody, it would be Redline. Right, and I, I want to make sure that we put this out here because one thing we could say on our podcast we've had the the good thing of doing is that we've kind of really touched a lot of these key, at least monumental, expensive movies that are, you know, at the time, Steam Boy was the most expensive one, and then Redline came out three years later, and boom, beat that one. So I want to set more than the tone. three years. Redline was 2011. Was it? Shit, I keep thinking yes. 2007. My bad. So seven years. So 2004 to 2011. So for seven years, Steam Boy had the title, and before that, the title was held by Akira, 
which we want to say the budget. I want to let everyone know and keep you keep these numbers going in your brain for me while I while I translate this. Akira had a budget of fourteen point five million dollars and used a hundred and sixty thousand cells uh, imagery. You know the animations and all that stuff. We've talked about yeah, that uh, when we did the Akira and stuff like that. Yeah, it made forty nine million dollars. Uh, it was more when it comes to yen, but you break it down to how much that is for us. It's forty nine million. So out of both of the other movies, this one Akira is obviously hands down the most successful almost anime movie that you know through the budget they made a lot more money off of it. And uh, the, and I wonder, I won I wonder if that's factoring in like home video sales because I think that's where Akira, at least in the West, that's where Akira made all of its money home video sales. Right, and and the thing is, is that the the director of that was Katsuhiro Otomo, who is now directing Steam Boy in his second, mm-hmm. only his second major anime release. So, before we get to Steam Boy and all that stuff, we're gonna tell you that Steam Boy at least had the budget of twenty six million dollars. So already we have about twelve million more in budget. It took ten years to produce this. So holy shit. That's you a think li- like that red line, red line was seven. Was li- it was seven. That's what I'm saying. So we're now I'm trying to do this comparison thing. So Steam Boy took ten yeah. years of production, and it had a hundred and eighty thousand drawings, and on top oh of that, four hundred and forty CG cuts. So it actually utilized CG a lot more in this. It obviously. did, and it was it was really good CG. We'll talk more it about was, the animation, yeah. but it was quality as fuck. But here's the issue with that. Now, how much did they make? And you have a budget of basically twenty six million. Well, box office after everything was settled was eighteen point nine million. Didn't even oh. hit the twenty six million dollar budget. So That's we go to Redline, which is pretty much the most expensive, most extravagant one that came out that we almost say bankrupted Madhouse. Thirty million dollar budget. And they only made $8.2 million with basically 100,000 handmade drawings. So actually less than the previous films. Yeah, isn't and that's that, why I that say like the, the numbers on those are, are not super accurate because I know I've heard people dispute that and say that Red Lion right. has more frames than Akira. But Akira has always really held its hat on that 160,000 number, but I've... Also heard animators be like, it's probably closer to 100,000. So nobody's quite sure on the frame number. Right, so could we say that Steam Boy with 180, which is more than Akira, probably is the title holder? Or is it more of like, that's what Redline could be at? I think if, well, if we have, I, I, we aren't going to do the investigating to be able to really decide, you know, to, to dig deep and figure out the truth. So we're really going to have to go off of the information that you have and the information that's available. So I guess, yeah, go Steam Boy. You are the king of animation frames. Um. So, yeah, but that's that's what these are the little facts that I was talking about. I really focused on the, the earnings to the budget and how many frames were used and all that, because that's a pretty big deal, especially for these films that are kind of, yeah. at the time, these three that we've now at this point watched have broke records in their own way. Some good, some bad, obviously, because they didn't make a lot of money. But I want to put out here that Steam Boy uh, has been kind of told that the reason why it didn't succeed so well box office wise is because of the Americas. This was really sold to be something very easily consumed in America. Obviously, it's it's like an English London type environment, and it's kind of easy to translate to an American audience, especially if you're watching the dub. 
I can so, agree with that 100%. What happened was is the whole promotions team, the promotions I've had a very limited release, kind of like you see now where a lot of anime movies don't get a lot of um, movie theater releases. I mean, if you're Demon Slayer, you have a lot more at your disposal, but a lot of movies yeah. that are released, you only can release it in a very small amount of towns. And apparently, Sony owned the rights and made it so they missed a lot of key cities that would have helped them sell this product. So when it didn't do, it did all right in Japan, you were really kind of hoping that it's going to succeed in the other foreign places. And it didn't because of the lack of exposure. I'm not going to defend that if you didn't like it, or, you know, obviously you look at the mail and you're like, oh, it's obviously not good. It doesn't have the highest mail. All I'm saying is at the time of 2004 and the release, and the fact that it didn't make as much money, I think had a lot to do with its advertising and not being really out there to get the attention that it probably would have maybe got. You know what I'm saying? Mm. That's unfortunate too. And I, I, I think that paints a harrowing picture for, I don't want to speak for you, but for me that the more artistic a film is, the less likely it is to make money. And that, that yeah. terrifies me because things like, I mean, I, I got to, experiencing Redline was one of the coolest things I've ever done in my entire fucking life. Imagine that in the movie like, ex theaters. Experiencing Akira, which obviously didn't suffer from this, but that was a very different time. 88 compared to 2004, just different eras, um, different economic uh, fucking landscapes, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but Akira changed my goddamn life in, in some way, shape, or form. It might not have been super revolutionary, but like I look at animation and everything to do with anime differently after really being able to appreciate Akira. And I don't know if Steam Boy quite hit those levels, but the fact of the matter is Steam Boy is fucking gorgeous. It is a wonderful piece of animation and it might not have been on the life-changing level, but goddamn, like it's so it it was worth being made. I am happy that I live in a world that Steam Boy is made in. And it, it hurts to know that things like Steam Boy and Redline especially, that's my fucking baby, um, they don't make money. And if there's one thing I know about any industry is you don't do things unless they make money. And that's why we have cookie cutter isekais now instead of a, a piece of animation that's been worked on for 15 years with 200,000 frames. And, like, I get it. Uh, at some point, like, the the amount of individual frames and that shit is unnoticeable to the untrained eye. But I guess what I'm saying is like the fact that somebody put so much time and effort into a piece of art and it's not being monetarily appreciated. It sucks because it just paints a landscape of more of uh, never seen one, but I've heard like the Shinkai films, they're all kind of the same plot and they're not really taking risks like, like some of these movies that we cover did. Right. Um, that's just my little rant about, the the current landscape of the anime movie industry no i i i know we're getting a lot of the information out i just really kind of want to like kind of set the scene or kind of at least explain to you kind of the whole thing that's going on behind the scenes with some of these releases because like earthworm's saying it does bother me and if you look at the favorites or the amount of users for steam boy it's less than forty thousand. and i felt like we really got the voice out there for kotro lives alone and I want any of you that are listening and haven't watched it yet and you don't want to get spoiled, and I'm going to warn you before we get into this conversation, really give it a watch because I think nowadays we should go back to some of these things that kind of got you know, unfairly judged early on because of lack of exposure 
or they looked at something and they look at it as like, well, he did Akira, so if it's not as good as Akira, I can't enjoy it or something. We have to yeah. kind of enjoy... I have to look at this as like, it's kind of great to see three films we've watched that don't technically... I mean, you could say it is, but don't have that technically shown in tag. You know, they're very diverse. They're all three uh-huh. totally different films, and I enjoyed all three of them. Say yeah, what none I want, of I the- didn't... Yeah, no. None of the movies we've watched have been shown in movies, at least this month. You know, none of them. They're all at right, least and in I the feel like they're not going to be making as much money as obviously Demon Slayer has and stuff like yeah. that. And it's unfortunate because as much as I love Demon Slayer, I want to see these other genres. I want to see these other type of things succeed. And though Akira has, and mostly from like video sales, like you said, it was a different time. We have Steam Boy and Redline and some of these great made films that are recent. And, and they're just kind of just stomped on or forgotten. And I want to have anyone that's listening, if you haven't watched Steam Boy before you listen to this, please go watch it. Tell me what you feel, honestly. Um, because the last thing I'll say before we start reading at least the synopsis and getting into detail is that um, the director, um, Otomo, basically made this as an anime original it wasn't like a manga or something from what i'm seeing it was no manga made before this this was literally directed and he co-wrote this film and already to me that's props because you're almost having to make it yourself and where we kind of give wit some flack is like maybe they only make good stuff when it's already been made for them and they just have to you know expand on it it's really mm-hmm. hard to kind of make your own story and actually direct it and release it. So I have to give Steamboy props for kind of just coming up with this on their own. Yeah, I mean, the man's got writing chops because he wrote the Akira manga and then yeah. transformed it into a movie. And we've, we talked about how he created some sick amalgamation of his own manga and ended up making it a masterpiece in its own. So right. he's got the chops to put a good story together without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm with you. Like, I, I think Steam Boy is worth a watch, especially like for so for me, I guess the general vibes I got of it, if, if somebody listening is still hesitant is because uh, I'm not a steampunk fan. I, I don't think I would consider myself. It doesn't a fan feel that steampunk because it's set in a real world of London. It's not like a make believe steampunk world. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it, it qualifies because of the steam machines and there are Zeppelins, yeah. so therefore it is a steampunk. But it, it, the aesthetic, like it, the way people dress is kind of not what you would assume from a steampunk. The 1800s of it, London, you know? Yeah, it's like I've, I've, my first exposure to steampunk was at an anime convention 10 years ago, and I was like, why are all these people dressed up like the Clockwork Orange people? Or what I didn't know was the Clockwork Orange people. And it's like, oh, that's steampunk, my girlfriend at the time told me. And I was like, that's, that's not my favorite aesthetic, but this uses all the cool shit about steampunk, i.e., the mechanical stuff. And, um, a- anyway, so what I'm getting at is the vibes it gives me are very much, uh, it gives me heavy Ghibli vibes. Maybe that's because of the, like, more western towny setting. I think it kind of reminded me a little bit of, like, Howl's Moving Castle, maybe, because of the, the Steam Interesting. Castle. I haven't seen Howl's that, so Moving... you saying that, maybe I'll like Howl's Moving Castle. I think Howl's Moving Castle's a fucking amazing movie. Like, I wasn't into anime when I watched it, and I loved it. So, yeah. But it gives me, like, very, very Ghibli vibes. Um, And it also kind of it kind of loses this vibe halfway through but especially in the beginning i was getting very much like uh disney's the lost city of atlantis and um was it also disney that did treasure island or treasure planet 
I think it might have also oh. been Disney that whoever did Treasure Planet, those it, that um like 2001 movie or something like that. Um it gave me the vibes of like those really experimental Disney films after the Renaissance that are kind of cult classics now. Um so yeah, if you're still on the fence and any of that interests you and our recommendations are word it doesn't mean shit, then like yeah, <laughs> go go check that shit out. Like it's where again, it's on Tubi. If you didn't hear earlier, you can rent it on Amazon or Microsoft or probably Apple stores. Go, it's it's so worth a watch, especially if you got a soft spot for animation because goddamn, it's great. It looks great. I will say that. Um, oh, okay. So, so now that we're done sucking this movie's dick, um, <laughs> we could probably kind of review it. So let me ask you, what uh, besides all the shit that you talked about, unless it was only all the shit that you had already talked I'm, about, I'm gonna just give you what, a quick synopsis real quick. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. If you're sure, good with that, yeah. Get, do the synopsis, and then we'll talk about other stuff. Yeah, so spoilers ahead. The synopsis isn't really spoiling anything, but I'm going to say the synopsis, and we're getting right into it, ladies and gentlemen. All right, you okay, heard of so. spoilers, motherfuckers. <laughs> Ray is a young, wonder-kind inventor living in Victorian England. His life is turned upside down when he receives a speco- uh, well, special package hailing from the United States, sent by his grandfather, Lloyd Steam. The package contains a device called a Steam Ball, a device so powerful that it can drive any machine that requires steam with nearly a limitless amount of energy. Ray is instructed to not let the steam ball fall into the wrong hands, which includes the mighty O'Hara Foundation, who desperately want to bring the steam ball back into their control so they can achieve their less than noble goals. Dun dun dun. Okay. Bum, bum, bum. All right, so now I will ask, um, <laughs> what initially what initially put this movie on your radar? Because we aren't shy about saying that it's it's not a it's not like a, I don't feel like it's a cult classic like like some of the other movies we've covered are. So where where'd you first hear about this movie and what made you want to watch it? Well, we go down the rabbit hole uh, when we first watched Akira. Obviously, I heard rumblings of of the same director making another film and blah blah blah. And then it was Steam Boy. And then at some point, I believe there was another film I was telling you, oh, this is the film directed by the same one that did Akira. It happened to not be the same anime film. You're like, no, 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 that's a different one. I'm like, oh. And so I looked it up one more time and I saw Steam Boy. And I'm like, okay. So I kind of did some research on it. And once I started seeing the whole idea of like how much you know, time it took to make it, how much money was put into it, because we had already just watched Redline at the time. <clears throat> and you had told me how it broke the record. And I, I found out that this one was kind of holding the record for the amount of time before Redline. And it just sat with me. And I, I just wanted to find the time to watch it. But I knew I didn't want to watch it by myself. I wanted to have a discussion because seeing the sort of negative responses towards this and a lot of critiques on like the story itself and the villains. And like I've read some old school IMDb like reviews and sometimes i'm sitting there like were these reviews done by children like the, uh, they're i don't not know it, kind no and, the, and they're, they're not the, kind the, they were making comments like uh too many of the villains they would do it like in print you say got away with doing horrible things and that's not how it should end and i'm like sitting here like what is the world perfect or something are you supposed to have a story where everything good happens because i don't know i remember akira having a pretty fucked up ending but i mean no yeah. one cared Sir, about that you- right are you aware of what capitalism really is, my friend? The bad like, guys like you always even, win with no consequences. Right, yeah, I mean, we're going to get into it, but this this film is basically about capitalism. Like, And Akira was about capitalism earlier yeah. on. So 
Dude, they're like hates war and he hates him. capitalism. I love it. <laughs> I, I just I don't know. So I I can understand some criticisms. I know it has some flaws, but I I looked at this. I'm like, you know what? I want. I feel like we brought. Kataro out there a little bit. I want to see if we can redeem Steam Boy and really talk about this and give it the new 20 years later type of conversation, you know? So that's what really intrigued me. I know that was long, but, you know. No, that's fair. So it sounds like it was really the the director's accolades that made you go, like, yeah. search this out. Okay. We've had the same director for... So we have two by uh, for Akira and Steam Boy and then Paprika and Perfect Blue. We obviously wanted to keep it in the same range for this movie, May. You know, if people are good at their jobs, who are we to not review their shit? <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, so um, I, I the first thing I noticed about this, this fucking movie was, because I didn't know shit about it other than what you had told me. You've been telling me about this for years, so I had no expectations other than steampunk because it's called steam boy and i know steampunk is a <laughs> and on the fairly... cover he's holding a ball and it's got steam yeah on. yeah he's like on the fucking flying machine thingy or whatever so like I, I i was expecting that but the first thing that knocked me off my ass is um well really two things one the animation obviously uh the mechanical animation this this otomo is so good at directing mechanical animation. Uh, I wanted to, yes. I did not end up bringing it up in the Akira episode, but like that MRI machine in Akira, badass. Yeah. And he took that. And now he's just like, we're going to make everything as convoluted and as crazy mechanical. Dude, the first scene is the, the camera going one take from the front of a submarine yes. all the way through the back of the submarine, going through glasses and mirror, not mirrors, but glass like you like, and simulating yep. all of them opening and turning the steam valves. Like, perfect uh, that's that's the shit i like yeah so that was my next thing is uh and this i actually so i took a bunch of notes for this and i actually wrote this down for a later scene but the uh the sweeping camera work uh which is you know and anime can animation just in general can often not use a bunch of the cool techniques that somebody on a rail camera could you know what i mean like you just said that it's probably really hard to do yeah I imagine it's very difficult to do that one long sweeping shot where everything is just flow like it's it's it looks like again just a guy on a rail camera did it and it's a bunch of individual animation frames that was amazing and then the the scene that made me write down I put sweeping camera uh sweeping camera movements uh, was when later on it's when Ray and Grandpa Lloyd are running away and they're running around that like spiral um walkway and the camera's oh, following yeah. them, but it's following along in the spot, like on the spiral. Yes, it's uh, yeah, it's just amazing how how it conveyed. I guess angles, maybe that's that's what I'm looking well, for. How I would almost like to say angles. angles and movement. It felt like the movement is yes. like you were kind of saying. We're used to like cut scenes. All right, they're at the top of the steps. Now we cut it to like them halfway down the steps. But or you get a front-facing shot of them running instead of that like angled shot to where you can yes. really see that they're running in a circle. Exactly. So you you're actually all hitting the things that I enjoyed about it, and it's like that's the one thing about I think movies is they have the higher budget, they have only two hours to do this, so they can put it all in more of these scenes. And where some people would be like, okay, it felt like a drawn-out scene. Why do they have to show me walk from one distance to the other in one camera shot? Why couldn't we just like get on with it? Well, if you like animation and you like movie filmmaking, uh, it kind of actually is very important, in my opinion, and uh, sets yeah. sets the movie a little bit more for me, like sets the tone and everything. 
No, that's fucking cinematography at its finest right there. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, um, so another thing that really stood out to me, uh, and this was something I was very happy, and I've always praised Akira for having such an outside anime art style, where it's, because like we, we reviewed a couple of uh, Satoshi Kon films, and he's he's very realistic in his art style. He tries to make his characters look like real humans. Um, and anime doesn't often do that, but uh, Otomo has this like, it's not as realistic as as uh, Satoshi Kon's art style, but it's also, it is so far outside of any other art style I've ever seen in anime. Mostly like the characters and the way they're shaped. Um, they're slightly more realistic. Again, it's not quite to that like perfect blue level, but he's just got this wholly unique art style that he has not let be influenced, um, at least not changed completely by the outside industry by everything that's going on around him he has right. kept true to like ray looks like tetsuo and yeah um, that's what Ray's... i was gonna tell you didn't it feel like akira like like his animation was solely like tetsuo yes uh he has he, he i like how he takes um it's kind of like we pray uh i don't know if it's praise but we talk about how uh tagashi took the characters from yu yu Hakusho and took his favorite parts about them and then made hunter hunter characters yes. uh it feels like otomo did the same thing because uh ray was ve- he felt kind of like a combination of tetsuo and kaneda if uh if i'm being honest and um <laughs> the the dad uh edward his dad was pretty much like the it was the military guy the same like body shape yeah. <laughs> face shape as from from Akira and I don't hate that I mean maybe if this was his eighth film I would have been like all right buddy maybe change things you know? up it's his second film and to see that that art style carried over what 16 years later was just really cool for me and my thing is is could I safe to say as much as maybe because it was easier to follow but we were saying in paprika we didn't even really know the characters' names, right? We enjoyed it. We 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 had to look up though most of the names. But here you are. You're already stating Lloyd. You're talking about his father, which you didn't know his name. But it seems like the characters. Hey, no, I, I said his name. Looked... His name's Ed. Okay, there we go. All I'm saying it is helps like that the, they're English these... names. But yeah, I get you. I, I get it's easier names, but also you just said it like every character is definitely separated. They all have their unique looks. Like obviously you have Scarlet, who is literally this young girl dressed up all in a Victorian dress. She is very unique to herself. And then you have Lloyd, who's got the beard of Gandalf. I mean, it's very easy to understand who that is. You have And the st- voice uh, of a fucking knight. Literally. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sir Patrick Stewart voicing in the dub uh doesn't hurt either. Um, like you said, James Edward. The way he looks, where he's now become looking like a Frankenstein-looking son of a bitch, you know? It's very easy to point him out in a crowd. You have Robert Stevenson, who is a part of the, basically, government side that Ray meets, who looks like those 1800s general-type like people with, like, the mutton chops on the side, you know he's what I'm saying? He's Abe Lincoln without, without a full beard. That's just what he is. He's just able yeah. To- so very easy on, though I know there's not a shit ton of characters. I'm able to really, and yeah, it could be the easier names, but I'm able to really comprehend who's who, and I can really kind of take that easier. While I'm not trying to compare it, but like Paprika, I'm more involved in the holy shit what's going on than like the characters because I don't even remember half the characters' names. You know? Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. This um. This seemed to put a little bit less... I mean, granted, there was plenty of spectacle in this, but it, it seemed to put a little less emphasis on spectacle 
than than like like you said, Paprika. And mm-hmm. it really like it was this is very much like just a story. Um a lot of a lot of the movies that we've watched have been like, uh, this is a movie about this or this is a movie that was trying to inspire this, but this is like like a straight up just a fucking a narrative uh, at its core. Like it's not, oh, the themes are the most important thing, like an Evangelion or something. It's like, no. It reminds me of a Disney adventure story. Like you said, Treasure Planet, all those things where my young brain wanting to go on an adventure, Ray is literally encompassing that whole dream that I would want to have if you had to become the hero and save the world, essentially, and you didn't even ask to. You're just thrust upon it. And where you say Tetsuo is kind of like a little bit embodied into Rei, but also you have Kanida. Rei is like almost like, this is going to sound weird, but it's almost like taking Tetsuo who failed at trying to overcome the despair and and using his powers for bad. And he made Rei who is able to see that both sides are wrong and take you know, this whole problem into his own hands and fix it. And being a hero at his young age, it was like, this is what we wish Tetsuo would have been able to do. And it's a complete different story. But like you said, I felt from the looks of the character and some of that, you know, knowing it's coming from the same director, I felt that, if that makes any sense. No, it makes 100% sense. Because again, this is, you know, he's not trying to tell a story of, a boy who's lost and finally gets power and yeah, it's like he tried to make it a thing positive it. thing. Yeah, yeah, because like Ray, I guess this was more like Ray was in he was he Ray was the bystander in this one, as where Tetsuo was the the uh, what's the opposite of a victim the the aggressor perhaps I guess <laughs> pretty where, much yeah the aggressor yeah like Tetsuo was the one learning firsthand. Um, that power corrupts and and then shit where Ray had to experience this through people he cared about as, you know, like his father, he never wanted to, he didn't want to believe that his father was like an evil dude or whatever. And even after Mm -hmm. he finds out that this, the steam castle is a weapons castle, you know, he's still convinced like, well, what about our enemies and the stuff? And then I love the line where grandpa Lloyd is like, you know, I don't remember verbatim, but he's essentially saying like nations have been fabricating enemies since the dawn of time. Your oh, next yeah. enemy is whoever you decide is your next enemy. You know, like none of this actually matters. Um, and then he, but he has to, fi- he has to learn that himself. And for me, I think Ray's biggest like character moments were when he kept kind of getting betrayed. And I realized mm-hmm. about halfway through that this wasn't a story where Ray was going to find someone to tell him the right answer. Like he was never going to be convinced by his grandfather or by his father that they were right, Ray had to discover the right thing on his own. It was very much a coming-of-age yep. story in that respect, as in, like, the, the he has to... It's up to him. There is really kind of no right and wrong. Like, we can all make our, our, our decisions, you know? I'm a very anti-war guy, but there's also somebody out there that's like, you have to defend your country, you know? You have to... If you're anti-war and your neighbor is not, you are then being trounced and... And Ray had to decide for himself what what his values were. And I loved that. I loved the agency that they gave him. I was going to say, you're just hitting everything I wanted to say about why I like Ray so much as a character because normally we hate it when they're having to be handheld to, like, what's the right answer where maybe what everyone was criticizing were, like, everyone's a bad guy, no one gets punished. That's the thing is Ray is kind of thrust upon 
this almost battle between almost like Akira, two sides. You got the government side, and then you have this foundation, this secret organization that's trying to create the ultimate steam weapon through the use of this unlimited steam ball uh, creation they made. And Ray is thrust in the middle to where in this film, he's on both sides at one point and realizes, holy shit, they're both wrong. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. A true oh, yeah. neutral character. And you know I love that shit where it's like, what are you guys doing? And yep. I don't know. And like you said with Sir Patrick Stewart, I'll call him that because it's Lloyd, but him saying is that they've been doing it for years. Nations have made enemies. And I will quote Thor's from Vinland Saga. No one is your enemy. That's it. That's the quote. No one is your enemy. Easy enough. Easy enough. I mean, damn, that gives me goosebumps. So No, that's that's good shit. Um, so while we have the door open, I guess let's talk about the rest of the characters. We've we've expressed yeah. our feelings about Ray. Um, but my favorite character is without a doubt Grandpa hmm. Lloyd. Say it's because he was voiced by Patrick Stewart. That I don't is care. why. Don't lie to me. <laughs> but I also like again, Lloyd was he is a scientist, and I do believe his scientific hubris could, uh, you know, is part of the reason why this got so far. He knew that this was a possibility that his invention would be used for war, but he still mm-hmm. made it. But he was also, like, he wasn't trying to make weapons. He very much, I mean, he's the one who said the quote that, like, your enemies are fabricated. Your enemies, whoever you need them to be at the time, for whatever reason. I agreed with his philosophy and his worldview was very similar to mine. And then especially come to find out his dream for the steam castle, which, you know, is what we're all fighting over. Yeah, I I thought his son was making fun of him, just calling like whatever he wanted to do a theme park to diminish it. And then when it actually pops out and becomes a straight up carousel with a Ferris wheel on it. I was like, Lloyd, you all you want to do is bring people happiness through science, and if that's not like my boy Senku or whatever, then <laughs> I don't know what is. Like that's sh- that shit's great. Yeah, um, I was gonna say Lloyd. You know what? You you're absolutely right. It, it's next to Ray and Lloyd for me, uh, but they're both have the same views, and that Lloyd didn't want this to happen. Yet he continued anyway, knowing that this could possibly be you know a chance this would happen where you know it gets into the wrong hands. I mean, it's almost used in every media nowadays but this was back in 2004 um but i wanted to touch on that with james edward you know of course the the son of lloyd and you know him kind of going down the the wrong path of like you know we're gonna make mass weapons because he just loves creating new things he loves uh you know making new inventions well, he's in the mind of uh, we're going to bring the world peace through. It's like what Reagan yeah. tried to do. We're going to get so many weapons that nobody's going to fuck with us, and then the world will be at peace. That's not exactly how it works, but I can see how you can get there. And my thing is, is that w- would you say, because I don't think so, would you say he's a bad guy? Because hmm. the way I've looked at it throughout this whole film, he didn't want his son to be killed. He, I mean... you. He didn't want to kill, you know, he didn't kill his grandpa. If anything, Lloyd was going to kill his own son to stop this. So what I'm saying is Edward in the end was trying to tell him when this whole ending of the film happened, he's like, I just wanted to create the ultimate invention you told me I couldn't do, like I couldn't achieve. Like when he showed him the theme park and showed him everything, he's like, look, father, look at what we've created. He's more of just happy on what he's created. Though bad things are being used, the weapons are being made so people that are not him are destroying things around him he himself 
is not a person looking to go hurt people. He just wants to keep creating and he wants to show the level of achievements and experimentations that a human can do. And yeah. when you really sink down to it, you're like, he's technically not the 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 bad guy. He he is doing bad things, but he's not a bad guy. The way I'd put it is I don't think um I don't think Edward is evil. He's, okay. he's okay. far yeah, from right. Dio, as in he's causing havoc to simply cause havoc. That's not him. That uh, has never been him. But I see him as a bad guy like Jeff Goldblum saw the scientist as bad guys in Jurassic Park. You know what I mean? Oh, like, okay. you never stop. You always wondered if you could. You never stop to consider if you should. And that's, mm. the I think, the best quote to ever to ever describe scientific hubris and like you're when you're fucking just get too big for your britches and you i mean goddamn it's been in a billion pieces of media pokemon the first movie mewtwo was scientific hubris they created the ultimate weapon the ultimate pokemon but should we have that's how i envision um that's how i look at edward and to a lesser extent lloyd um, and because Lloyd was willing to go back and he wasn't willing to say, I will create this even if, be- if it becomes a weapon. But I, so no, I don't think Edward is evil, but at the end of the day, like he, he did create a super weapon. That's, I, I guess I would say there are some parallels to nuclear weapons. I, I, I think a lot yeah. of things in Japan, you can draw parallels to nuclear weapons for obvious reasons. Um, right. Yeah. It's like, I don't. The guy, the scientist that built the nukes, might not have been pure evil, but it also allowed a bunch of people to die and for generations later be stricken with horrible diseases. Right, and I want to make sure I'm coming on record to say I'm not saying supporting him and saying I actually, no. you know, understand. What I'm just saying is that I feel like this show is really truly meant to show a neutral perspective, and like we we're going to touch on. You even said this is really just showing how fucked up capitalism and war is because in this whole thing going on, essentially civilians and the city of London is being attacked in the midst of basically the foundation and then the military are attacking yeah. each other in pretty much the open open streets. And you're kind of as Ray seeing that, wow, this is all fucked up. You have this one of these guys walking around the steam castle going, and over here we have the weapons, but over here we have a escape route. We have you know, Zeppelins at any time. We also have a theme park for the kids. All this, like, it's a selling point, though there's a war going on, and it's so ironic and funny and sad at the same time. Yeah, you know so I mean? you you pretty much touched on the two people who I think are, if you had to place bad guys, I would say it is the O'Hara Foundation. I don't remember if his last name was O'Hara, but he was the, the monocle guy that you were just talking about that's like, I do not know his name, but I remember him. Yeah, he was a douchebag. Yeah, Scarlet's father or caretaker or whatever you want to call him. He's just like, he is the mustache twirling capitalist going, money for lives. Um, I don't like him, if I have to be honest, though, because of the deception. I think I dislike Mr. Stevenson and his blonde buddy um, more. Right? Because they presented, like that hurt me. I was really I was upset at the movie at first, but I I quickly changed that to being upset at the character because I'm like, well, it, it obviously did its fucking job. But I was mad. I was like, there's a good guy and somebody that Ray can hold, you know, hold in regard as somebody who's safe. You know, this is a 
a guy who I can trust. Yeah. So and when he hands out, over the steam ball, you're like, good. I can I can give this to him. He'll protect yes. it. And immediately is like, we're gonna use this. It's like what? We're gonna use this for war. And then it raised <laughs> like, excuse the fuck out of me. Um. Then why did I just steal it from those guys? And he's like, oh no, this is okay because this isn't like just a company making it for war. This is a country making it for war. This is like, the well, military. We are good people. It's like yeah. See, no, that's that's not what I'm. Uh, that's not what I'm about, bud. Yeah, it's absolutely wild, and that that hurt. And then his blonde buddy was kind of the same idea. And then, yeah, so I I think those two guys are probably my least favorite characters as far as like I think they're well written, interesting characters, but they make me want to puke because they like I feel like they- the capitalist guy, Mister Twirly Mustache Monocle. I think he understands. Like if you were to ask him on a lie detector test if he would trade a human life for fifty bucks. He'd probably tell you yes and not lie about it as where Mr. Stevenson holds this air of I am a good guy doing things to protect people while also making weapons of mass destruction. It it sits wrong with me. Right, but I'm glad you said it like you were upset at the movie, but then I felt like it would have been even a worse movie if it's that ultimate good versus evil. Stevenson's the good guy. Here you go. Ray brings it to him. They fight, blah, blah, blah. Seeing that truly both of these people, both sides, his father and now Stevenson, are using it for what they think is the good and defeating their enemies. And in the end, they're causing this all-out civil war on their own town streets and they're doing it for the safety or whatever. That's where... That's more intriguing to me because it shows that truly everyone here is missing the point. And Ray, a child essentially, is able to look at this and be like, this is all wrong. We have to get rid of the steam ball. And that's essentially what Lloyd's trying to tell him. So like you said, it's basically Ray and Lloyd versus the world. Because we'll touch on her next, but Scarlet, I will say she was one of my least favorite characters. Okay, I didn't didn't hate her. I think she played the role of... Mm. bratty monarch fucking girl princess if you will i think she played oh that she role was bratty really maybe well. that's what i just don't seem to like rich girls in any kind of show i said it in kaguya i don't know what it is the smug i don't like even if it was a male character i just hate the really too rich goody two shoes and one minute she's like oh this is wrong next minute she's like oh those are enemies take them out and next minute she's getting shot at so she's like this is wrong it's like okay make up your mind you know what i mean make up your mind yeah yeah, so the things that I, I guess I'll give some things I liked and didn't like about her. Uh, first off, the thing I made me dislike her is stop hitting your fucking dog, okay? Oh my god, yeah. Animal like, abuse I've, never works for me. No, I don't want to get too much into it, and I won't. But like, I've dealt with a lot of injured animals in the past fucking week or two, and <laughs> worst it, it's time really. Like, it was a bad time for me to see her punch her dog in the head, and I, and then he gets all loopy. I'm like, you just gave that motherfucker a concussion. Oh, my God. So that annoyed the shit out of me. Um, But I did appreciate how, even though she's this bratty monarch, she was willing, like, when Ray went off at his flying machine, she walked through a fucking battlefield um, to go find him. Granted, she was yelling at the, you know, soldiers, like, how dare you, you know, fire off a bomb? Don't you know who I am? This, that, and the other thing. Shitty attitude, sure, but I did appreciate how... Even past all that shittiness, she was willing to stand up for what she believed in, even if it might not have been the best things. Uh, and her mild romance with Ray was pretty cute. That scene in the early on when they almost kissed and Ray got all flustered. I mean, I'm a sucker for that. 
Well, I was going to say there was once again, where a lot of the films we've watched uh, have mirrors involved. And it was one where they're looking at the tricky mirrors. There's like six of them lined up. And she's like, see, we look different at all of them. And he's panning once again in one shot into like POV type at like all the images of her. And then when he finally looks to her, you know, is right. And she's actually up close. And he for once is taken back instead of looking at all the inventions and thinking of, you know, all these black and white type of like, all right, look at this cool invention. He's kind of hitting that little puberty. He sees a, you know, a pretty girl looking at him and he kind of goes like, uh, what's over here? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I kind of did yeah, like that, but I'm fun. glad they didn't, they didn't stick on that because that's not really the point of this, you know? No, but even in the, in the end, you didn't get like a, a major kiss or anything, but they were standing on top of the building after succeeding. And like, you know, you could tell that. All right, they're probably going to start at least going on a couple dates, you know what I mean? Like, well, I mean, when you catch a woman like Superman flying on a flying machine, I'm sorry, that's going to drop any panties. I'm just saying. Uh, in mine that included. That scene at the I end mean, with him flying across, I'm like, yo, this boy has just got like total coolness coming off of him right now. Yeah, he he ended up being a really fucking cool character for sure. I think Ray, uh, Lloyd is my favorite. Ray is a strong second, without a doubt. Okay, all right. So, no... uh we're pretty much talking about all the characters and obviously from what we're talking about, good, you know, the people going at it, we've kind of explained what's going on. Obviously, if you already have seen Steam Boy, if you guys are listening, you know, um, but I wanted to talk to you about uh, some more key scenes or like at least sure. the, the amazingness of the animation, like some big events that are like more of like the, the thriller action type part. Like, can we talk about the basically train and then everything going on with like the claw and everything involved in that that chase scene was outstanding like uh for the first 20 or so minutes of this anime it is balls to the walls like you have some yeah. like cryptic shit with the steam ball you don't quite know what that's about and then after like 5 minutes of like mild downtime you have ray getting chased by a zeppelin on a train <laughs> with yeah, his fucking dude, gyro wheel thing made out of wood like that was a cool concrete yeah it's like this wheel thing that's spinning and he's using steam to keep it going and then he ends up landing on a train and then he's in between two of them and it's breaking the um his uh his wheel and it's i don't know the whole sequence is like everything is like it feels like a thriller aspect where this boy is just like on the edge of his seat and you're on the edge of your seat as well yeah, so that was that's I was uh, t- I told you we were talked about this a little bit sporadically. That's when I was invested. Like that's when I I was hooked because it had a lot of that mystery. I was starting. I at the time I was I didn't know what the steam ball was. All I knew it was this cryptic thing that Grandpa didn't want to get in the wrong hands, and that's always exciting. And then this really cool chase scene, and you get to see all these like interesting mechanical things. And that's probably my favorite part about the steampunk aesthetic is the. First of all, the Zeppelins, because Zeppelins are just cool. And mm. the mechanical things that are all run off of steam and that I'd love to I'd love to watch like an engineer reacts to Steam Boy just to see their face. It's like I'm I'm pulling ahead, but it's later on. Uh there's the scene where like you got Ray in one compartment and Grandpa Lloyd in another compartment and Scarlet in like the top floor, and they're all doing things that are integral to getting the steam castle yeah back they have to get the running. steam pressure at the same time and she happens to be in the right position ray gets to the right position and lloyd does and i'm not gonna lie i'm not that bragging so but I, I operate boilers so 
yeah, I, I deal with Steam, so this show completely breaks the mold on anything to do with Steam, but I love it anyway. <laughs> so Yeah, but, like, it's completely impractical, right, to have, like, your emergency shutoff valves be in, like, three completely separate yeah, parts of no, the no. Fucking... You, let me tell you right now, for our emergency, we have the button as close to us as we can. <laughs> so yeah. I would think you'd put the switch in the control room where Scarlet yeah, was. It... You don't put it in three separate locations. Like I, I think to <laughs> to uh, quantify the steampunk uh, aesthetic mechanically is creative, but uh, un- not functional, unrealistic. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, but yeah, that, you're right though. That that first train scene was it gets you right into it. It, it may waste no time being like, "This is an exciting movie." Don't listen to the critics. <laughs> Well, that's what I mean. It's 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 it has an easy plot to kind of follow. We obviously explain the the morals they're talking about and about capitalism and war and how it's wrong and no one's your enemy. We get all of this and look, we just simply watched it, but it's very easy to follow. And in between this, you have so many action set pieces going on involving steam, like you were just talking about with Lloyd, uh, Ray, and Scarlet making all that steam to make the you know the steam castle like float. And like when the pipes are like getting huge from the steam pressure and like the, you know, the pins are coming out and it's like forcing up and it's like, literally that's not possible. Like pipes cannot expand like that without exploding more frequently, but it's an anime and it just makes it feel like, holy shit, there's so much steam pressure. It's really just trying to set the tone with that. Like, I love it. I don't know. I just loved everything animated in this. And yeah. And where at the end of the day, CG, it's just right? cool Like looking. you said, you, it was good CG. Yeah, yeah, like the parts that were CG were just outstanding. And again, this is a 2004 movie, and that just, I think, goes to prove, I don't know if it's necessarily a budgetary constraint or if it's a more time sink, but good CG is possible. It is 100% possible to nearly seamlessly blend that shit with regular 2D digital animation. We just don't want to do it. Yeah, because I'm just guessing, but like the little riding bike uh, rays on the big tank like steam uh, train thing that was following him looked CG probably, but actually looked good enough to where it's like, was it? Was it more like drawn with a little hint of CG? They had this big claw thing machine, like a red claw that you could operate. So if your hand like moved, it moved the big hand. I'm pretty sure that was all CG. Um, the Zeppelin, I'm pretty sure at some points was CG. It's just there's so much. The train. The Steam Castle was oh, almost yeah. definitely most of the moving scenes were at least a mix of CG and 2D. Yes. Well, then the big thing is like we're mostly just talking about these key scenes, but um, how did you feel about the ultimate unlimited amount of like steam that since they were using like two steam balls to float the castle that was literally shooting down to London and because of the pressure difference and the amount of temperature drop when the steam is released onto like the open water and the uh, atmosphere, it actually starts freezing everything below it. Yeah, that that really gave me heavy vibes of of like nuclear bomb parallels yep. and also natural disasters because it's it's this moving thing. All it's doing is walking. It's not being aggressive. It's going so necessarily. slow. Yeah, it's but it. it kind of paralleled maybe a tsunami to where a tsunami is just water but when put in great quantities and in that position it's it can be unbelievably deadly but my favorite thing about watching that thing in action was the ice 
the way it froze everything, mm-hmm. I think the first scene where you see it freeze stuff is it goes and it immediately freezes the entire fucking like river or whatever it was, and the boat just gets completely covered in ice, and I don't know what technique that was to make that ice, but goddamn, it was beautiful, and then jumping ahead at the very <laughs> end when the kid touches it, I knew you were it gonna say all that. shatters. I audibly said, wow, that's really cool. That's what I was going to say. I, I, I gave it a 10 out of 10, like snowfall scenes, because when he touches it, and now it's it's almost like the, the movie's trying to say, though it's a disaster and destruction happened, there's beauty in disaster, if that, if that sounds cruel, because I'm not saying the atom bomb's great, but some people would look at that big cloud, the distance, go, wow, look at that. It's kind of beautiful looking, but then you realize what it's doing. You know what I'm saying? And that's the I bad get, part. Yeah, I think I understand what you're saying. It's it's kind There's of... There's a reason why people like fireworks, and though fireworks aren't as extreme as a bomb, if that hits someone, it could hurt them or kill them. We like beauty and destructive, colorful things, and so seeing this huge ice storm that has essentially decimated London, and almost like Marvel... They didn't explain it, but a lot of people probably died in that, like got frozen. Like people, some people died in this. Buildings were crashing. Shit was happening in London. It's like you hit it and it becomes nothing but like crystallized sparkles. And you, for a minute, forget about all the bad stuff that happened. You go, wow, that's beautiful. Like you just said. And I felt that was very powerful for the end of the film. Yeah, I think it it was kind of saying that. You can find beauty through through the darkness. There's always something there. Like there's that maybe the silver lining, I guess, would be a good cliche to use. Yeah. I know I'm gonna hear yeah. about that later about the atom bomb, but I'm just trying to state like just Yeah, no, to... J J JD's in favor of nuclear warfare. You <laughs> no, heard it no, here. No, no, I'm not. But I'm not gonna lie. Have I seen the clips of stuff like that? Like on old documentaries and going, damn, that is crazy. That's a sight. You know, it's it's just something yeah. your mind does. It's not like you're like, yeah, that's great. We should do that more often. It's more of like, wow, we made that. Holy shit. I don't know. It's just I think that's what the kind of film is trying to show is that Edward here, the son, loved experiments, loved making these things and didn't realize that this was the issue. And in turn, while you're watching this, you find all these kind of things cool and the invention's awesome, but they're used for wrong means. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe be- obviously it was a beautiful scene, but maybe awe-inspiring would be a better awe term to use. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's seeing a picture of a fucking forty-foot tsunami and knowing that it's about to cause destruction, but being amazed that you've just seen a forty-foot yeah, wave. Forty-foot fucking yeah. Yeah, it's it's that weird feeling. Um, so another scene that really was like really cool animation. Uh, maybe it was just me, but uh, I can't remember exactly what was going on. But Scarlet was dancing around, and uh, there was a light right above them. I think it was when they, like... Oh, this is before that little cute scene. Yeah. I think so. I think that was it. And she was doing a little twirl dance, and the light was right above her. And you saw the, what, six or eight shadows all hitting from, like, correct lighting angles. And I just... That's one of those things that, I don't know, I don't want to say it's easy to do, because I, that's not what I mean, but that's one of those things that you, if you just pay attention to how light works, you can recreate. And I think it's more of a detail and time sync thing. And I love when, when pieces of art, you can see the, the craftsmanship, I guess. And to get the lighting and the angles right on all of those shadows and have them move in sequence together, almost kind of kaleidoscope-esque. 
that was very, very beautiful for me. Yeah. Now you like those elegant dances and stuff like that. So I, I, I appreciate you saw that. I did see it, but I didn't get hit as much as you, but I'm glad you did. You know what I mean? It was not something I think I would have remembered, but again, I took a lot of notes here. So it's, it's one of the notes, like when I watched it, I was like, wow, that's really cool. As I did a billion times this movie, this is just the rule of cool is all throughout this bitch. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Did you have any any more scenes? Well, like I, I was trying to talk about the uh, we're, we're getting to the end of like everything was freezing, and um, of course we didn't talk about it. But at, at one point, by the end of this, uh, and the father Edward and Lloyd worked together to essentially get the um, castle back over the water because they want to take it down over the water and not over the town and though you could have said it was sudden i kind of understood why edward was doing because like i said i don't think he's really a bad person he just wanted to kind of like show what he could do but in the end lloyd was like i want to go down with the castle or the the ship essentially and then edward decides okay i will too um unfortunately it doesn't go that way because you think pretty much both of them escaped but um i just like yeah, the I, father I was gonna ask you how you felt about did you so you also thought they escaped because of the little submarine thing at the end right if one died one survived and my only thing was is that early on in the film the father and ray were in that submarine type of thing not lloyd so obviously his father in that scene when they're bringing the castle over the water said you know all right we've done what we could i'm out of here and he's like you think i don't have a plan and then lloyd follows him going like i'm i'm not going to let you you know get away with this but obviously he was saying that, but he meant to go with his son because they've kind of almost resolved their issues in a way. Um, but you could say, yeah, the grandfather didn't make it, but I think the father definitely did because he knew how to operate it, and that was the submarine that you saw in an earlier scene. I'm willing to choose. I, I'm, I want to believe that they both made it. I, it to yeah, me, I do it's too. Either... I'm just saying if one was going to make it, it would probably be the father. So. That would piss me off. No, I know I'm too, they either both died or fucking they're both alive, and that's it. The, we'll me. say they're Those both the alive because options. they wouldn't show that submarine otherwise. And I would like to say the one negative for me in this film a lot was the type of ending where I get it. The father and the grandfather make it out. Uh, Ray saves the day. The steam ball is gone, so we don't have to worry about. But what I kind of was like, yeah, what some people were critiquing was there was really no punishment. You just pretty much leveled half of London. And whether it's Stevenson who, you know, d directed this attack or the Monaco guy, you said someone I wanted to see going to court. I wanted to see some repercussions and some justice for like Ray stopping this, maybe getting acknowledged by the Queen, you know, something they do in London. And you told me about this director's cut that adds about like 35 to 40 more minutes. And I truly want to buy it so I can see if they do extend the ending or give a little bit more plot out just a little bit to kind of fill that ending because I do like good endings though everything was great I felt like the payoff at the end was a little lackluster for some of these people that I thought deserved to you know feel for their actions pay for their actions yeah I I, I can kind of I mean we've taught we've touched on it a little bit but this is a feels like a story oh, with a hero and not so much any and not so much a clear-cut villain like and, no, and maybe no. at the end it it was more trying to say, you know, your individual choices are what matters and there will always be people out there that are shitty and want to, you know, profit off of disaster. 
and it's really, you know, you can't change their minds so much, but if you as an individual choose to live your life as a hero rather than as a villain, then, you know, if everybody makes that choice, then we have a good world. Maybe that's what it was trying to say. Hmm. Yeah, it could be. Like like I said, it's a very small negative, but it is a negative, however, that I did see for the ending on my side. But I did sure. like everything, and it closed pretty well. And, and when it's closing out and Ray's, you know, seeing everything that's happening and it, like, cuts to, like, the granddad and possibly the dad getting away in the submarine, when it's rolling the credits, you kind of see the town rebuilding. You see people like going back. It's kind of like symbolizing that's how it always is. We We destroy and then we rebuild. Life goes on. Um, and you didn't have to tell people that you just showed it and it was an end credit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. With the one, I only, I didn't watch the entire credits, but I only got the one image of people rebuilding the house. And I thought that, like you said, it said all that it needed to of, of the communities come together to rebuild. And I think that's part of the message. Again, if we all individually choose to help each other rather than to put each other down, it'll be a, a wonderful world. Hmm. Definitely. So uh, no, that that's pretty much it for me. Um, I well, I already said about the Superman scene, but I still liked the, how that ended. Uh, that was perfect. That was a for really him. cool wearing yeah. that escape I've, suit like that is from the cover. Oh, that and Akira all that, so. Akira jumpsuit. Both the of them. Akira he pulls jumpsuit. out one. Pulls out one kind of red jumpsuit, and I'm like, oh, I see that. I see you. I see you, Otomo. Can't get over that Akira. And then later on, he pulls out <laughs> a really red jumpsuit that can fly, and I'm like, damn, Bo. I ain't even mad. That's a good jumpsuit. That's <laughs> <laughs> a good jumpsuit. Yeah, I love that though. I love the callback to his earlier work. It's it it's so it it provides that connection to Akira where it wouldn't otherwise be there through the art style, but now you have both your heroes, I guess, of each story in the same almost the same outfit, slightly, you know, altered for their setting. And yeah, for him I just, to make I was appreciative. For this set, for his second film, and literally, like you said, it's not his eighth one. Tying it, all these little things from it, Akira into it, it's like I don't know if maybe that upset people back in the day, where the even though it was sixteen years later, like wow, that's just copy and pasting. I actually loved it, and I embraced it more, especially since we just watched Akira. I don't know, it just really hit me. So, um, yeah. Yep. So if you want to get to final thoughts and then ratings, uh, definitely. A fucking big ending. I'll let you go first, obviously, because this was my pick, and uh, go from there. Okay. Um. Let's see. Final thoughts and ratings. Um. This is just a visual spectacle. I we we could have spent a lot of time, I guess, talking about the mechanical, the mechanical animation, and I think we chose not to because it's hard to describe. Mostly, you because have to it's see completely. It. If you haven't seen it by now, you need to see it. <laughs> so yeah, it's completely illogical, but there are also. I would uh, I would probably guess at at some points there are thousands of tiny moving pieces to certain parts of of these machines and it is amazing to see how how the, the how creative the team that worked on this had to be to make this all work again it's not practical but most things in anime aren't so for if it's not going to be an actual replica of a working steam machine then let's make it the most convoluted fucking thing in existence. There's a lever <laughs> two miles south that we need to hit to make this thing run, and then we got to hurry up, back up to the cockpit so we can steer this motherfucker. Loved it. I got to keep turning these valves. I got to keep turning these valves. 
Yeah, I will say, um, and this was a critique that I saw in a few, in a few reviews. It did kind of mi- in the middle. It got a little stale. It didn't quite have the oomph that the beginning and the end. I'd say twenty or thirty minutes had. Uh, I maybe that's just because it's a. I mean that those yeah, beginning. Yeah. That's and like end, most things. Yeah. Sure. Sure, it definitely had to do some building. I don't think it's the worst negative ever, but I I can't I I guess I'll just admit it or say it or whatever that it, I, there were a couple of times I won't say I was bored, but it, I'm glad that the last part of the movie was what it was. You had the crazy war scene and then the steam castle after that and then Superman Ray. It really brought it home <laughs> Superman for Superman Ray. Yeah. Yeah, the characters were all very interesting. Um they all had something that was worth talking about and analyzing, obviously, because we we just spent minutes doing it. Uh, it didn't, I won't say it like really emotionally resonated with me, like, for example, the previous work, Akira, or or other movies that we watched no, or other that's shows. That's very hard to do. This is a different type, I think, yeah. For sure. sure. But I can't, it's really hard for me to find legitimate faults in this movie. Like, I, I don't understand why it rated so poorly granted i'm not and i'm not a professional critic of media i critique a lot of stuff on this podcast we've been doing it for for a few years now so my my media literacy has gotten better so maybe i'm missing something but i thought this was a wonderful artfully made film and i just uh, other than it not being i guess edgy in the way that Akira was it not being something that you would have rented along with like a Ninja Scroll OVA. <laughs> I, 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 I can't see any fucking legitimate issues with it. If you're really upset about a bad guy, not getting his comeuppance or not being able to truly tell who's good and bad, go back to pre, you know, when the Hayes code was a thing and go watch movies from the fifties. Because that's, like, I think the beautiful part about media today is the gray areas. And, mm-hmm. like, yeah, no, the capitalists didn't get put to court in the end. But at the same time, like, shit, man, there's a bunch of companies that have done some really nasty sh- nasty stuff. Y'all, just go Google Nestle. Just go Google the lawsuits yep. that Nestle has been a part of. And have they seen any legitimate, like, legal action taken across no because they own they own every bottled water you've ever drank other than fucking smart water which is gross anyway so that didn't upset me i think that was a fairly realistic take and i do think it was very much like yeah you could you're not going to be able to change the system that is capitalism by yourself but if we all individually choose to be better people maybe we can change it then and that was showing ray making his own decisions choosing what was right and wrong for himself and acting upon them, it's great. Uh, I'm going to give this a 9 out of 10 at the end of the day. Oh! Fucking amazing animation. The It was awesome. It didn't have that, like, super peak of, like, whoa, uh, I'm going to live with this character, this scene, this moment in my heart for the rest of my life. But that's not, I mean, that's a that's a high bar to set, you know? So, yeah, this is a fucking oh, that's fantastic your, That's your movie. 10 levels, so... Yeah, yeah, and like I, I gave Paprika a ten because that's more my aesthetic, you know, wild, yeah. abstract, surrealist dreamscape. That's that's the shit that I will snort uh, in the, you know, uh, at the club. I'll snort that shit up all day in the bathroom off a hooker's <laughs> ass. I don't care. I love surrealist art, but 
this just wasn't like made for Earthworm. But that doesn't mean it's bad. That doesn't mean it's bad. It's fucking phenomenal. So yes, I I recommend Steam Boy, especially especially to people who might not love anime because this doesn't scream big tittied wide-eyed anime oh my god horny tentacle porn nah this is really <laughs> just an animated movie that could i i think again we, we said it earlier this could like slide in in a movie marathon we're gonna watch atlantis then we're gonna watch steam boy yep. and then we're gonna watch yep. treasure planet and nothing's gonna feel weird about that yep um you're wow you're pretty much hitting a lot of things i wanted to state because uh guys we ended movie may with no titties and we did it with steam boy it's true <laughs> we, there was not a single titular in this anime so like Earth i mean his said, mom had had some big boobies but they weren't just, sexualized no, that, was, that was not sexualized <laughs> <laughs> but either way it's it's true I, I felt like if i could say ghibli is the disney of of basically the anime world where like almost everyone in the family can consume it. You could have a good little adventure, have a little bit of questions like what's right and what's wrong. You could have a hero. You can have kind of like the villain. Technically, Steam Boy is kind of like the DreamWorks of that when it comes to animation. It's not big, wide Japanese style. Like you can tell this was technically made for the American audience, almost like how Cowboy Bebop was made better. It was done better in the American, you know, uh, like, viewers yeah it's it's crazy that i think steam boy got a lot of flack because it didn't get its um promotion enough in america because of the whole sony thing and not going in many theaters and truly giving it the shot that it did because this show is just easy to consume yeah i agree it got a little stale in the middle but i almost like to say you know we all love pirates of the caribbean right and the and the films kept going and you're like, man, how does it still keep going? And you say, oh, it was Johnny Depp. But you know what was also what's kept it going was that fun action. The boats coming into battle with the music playing and all that stuff. And somehow someone on the verge of getting exploded and all that stuff somehow makes it out because some weird little thing happens. That's that's technically how Steamboy goes. Ray is in a lot of peril and by the skin of his teeth is saved. And then this little boy is just being a hero. And the music just hits, the environment just hits, the acting is well done, the animation is beautiful. I mean, the plot's easy to follow, it get, makes you question things. I, I just don't understand, I truly don't understand why it has so much hate. And though it's got like a 7.3 or 7.4, it's not the worst rating, I truly think... Um, the director deserved a little better like because he did such a great job with Akira and maybe it was just so much put on him like he needed to make it like Akira 3.0 but that's not how it works they're just totally different shows they have total different feels um so except for the couple flaws that I think it has and that's not what bothers me I I gotta truly give this a 9 out of 10 um okay I could not put it over Akira because Akira is just something that could be nostalgia or that I've watched it and it's just so classic. But I truly believe like that show is one in a million. But let me tell you, Steam Boy, it was a great you know sequel. It doesn't need to be Akira. It just was another film he co-wrote and he directed, and I think he did a hell of a job. So without a doubt. And one more thing I want to say, especially about the Akira steam boy connection is that it i think it shows a lot of maturity in otomo uh yeah. how there was 16 years in between and a person grows i mean if you're not like uh, you said with ava emotional... right 
Yes, yeah. Uh, you're you're a different person. It's why somebody who like uh, D. Snyder's a famous example, a uh, guy from Twisted Sister. We're not gonna take it. Um, he he wrote that song in his twenties or whatever, and he felt it, and he wasn't gonna take it, and he was a pissed off twenty year old, and now he says like. He doesn't hate the song, but it doesn't mean the same thing it did to him because he's an adult now. And though you can be upset about injustices, it's it's not the same. You're not as pissed off at the man and you're not as edgy and willing to fight, you know, fist fight about stuff and shit like that. You you mature and you calm generally, you know. It, you people change no matter what, but generally the older you get, the more calm approach you can take. And Akira was very much Tetsuo being angry and thrashing about and destroying things, whereas his take on on Steam Boy was different. It was more mature, and it was saying, you know, ang- obviously anger wasn't the solution in Akira, but this, it was nowhere to be found, where it was like someone... It was the power was all... Hmm... I... <sighs> I'm not sure. I'm, I'm losing a word here. The, it was well, you all said it like wasn't used through methodical. Anger. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like there was no lashing out with this power. It was very planned and calculated, and they all knew what they were going to do, and they knew they were doing evil. Whereas Tetsuo might not have quite understood that. Um, what all that rambling meant is, Ota, it's it shows maturity in in Otomo, and that's that. And there we go, ladies and gentlemen. We ended Movie May. We've had a great lineup of movies, but that is Steam Boy. Make sure to check it out if you haven't. Hopefully we didn't spoil too much for you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Either way, like all these movies are... We're never going to spoil the fucking mechanical work that's in this movie. Go watch it just for the spectacle. Um, Yeah, Movie May, it's over. We did another theme month, and it it went pretty well, I think. Uh, That's cool. I'm happy about that. Okay. All right. So now we got some pluggables. We got some stuff. You guys have stayed until the end. Thank you so much for hanging out the entire podcast. This is a this is an hour, almost two hours. That means a lot to us. Uh, so we got to ask some stuff for you guys, even though you've already done that. It's not it's not enough. I'm sorry. I'm just gonna be fucking honest with y'all. It's not enough. So here's a laundry. Here's some homework for you, listener. Okay, dear listener. First of all, if you're not already i need you to subscribe to the show apple Podcasts, uh, spotify all the podcast platforms let you tell them that i like the show and i want to be notified when they put out a new episode so you got to do that if you if you like this episode you got to do that for me second if you like the show a lot and you're like well I, yeah i already get i'm already subscribed let the people know that you like the show leave us a review on apple and spotify or god damn it just tell a friend you hear know a friend that's like hey i'm getting into anime and they, I don't know, maybe they watched Akira because it's super cult popular. Be like, you know what? I got a couple of a couple of fellas over there, and they did a cool breakdown about Akira. So yeah, do that. Tell people that we don't suck and that we're pretty cool people. If you got, if that's not enough, if you're like, I've already done all that. What do I do, Earthworm? Uh, Patreon.com/slash/AnimeBrothersPodcast for a singular U.S. dollar, you get into the aforementioned Patreon rundown, where you can leave us a message and we have to read it. Literally, there's nothing we can do. You have us by the short hairs. We have to do it. One more time, patreon.com slash anime brothers podcast. We would appreciate it. Um, I've done all my pluggables. That's it. That's all we got. I'm, gonna, I'm running right. out of steam. Ha-ha. <laughs> well, I love you, Earthworm. Thank you for joining me for this movie, May, and we will see you all in the next episode. Goodbye, everybody.